Okay, guys, we are we are in lesson eleven, and uh, we're going to look at prayer and evangelism. We're going to look at Colossians chapter four, verses uh, two through six, and you know we're going to look today specifically. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about prayer, which is something we really need to focus on in our lives and as a church. But then we're also going to talk about evangelism. We're going to see some things that are pretty interesting. So let's talk, first of all, about prayer. Look with me at verses uh, 2 through 4. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to spread the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So let's talk about the issue of prayer. First thing I want you to see is the command here. Now, folks, this is a command. Believers are called to be devoted to prayer. So I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. The emphasis here in this passage is, and, and, and it's not what we do with prayer. It's for us, prayer is an option, right? Isn't that how we make it? You know, it depends on our day. You know, do I got time today? My schedule's really busy today. I I'd like to devote myself to prayer, but I don't really have the the the, I don't have that slot today, Lord. So you understand. Well, that's because we view prayer as an option, or we have in our mind that prayer is a has to be practiced in a certain way. So therefore, we can't do it. Well, it's a command here. We are commanded to pray. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We are commanded. Let me let's stop. Let's talk about what prayer is. Prayer is a, is a word that's often used in a religious sense that seems to have a ritual sense to it, but actually it's not. It's quite simple. Prayer is simply talking to God. Okay? Prayer is simply talking to God. So you and I are commanded to interact with God. Now, here's what he's saying. The phrase, continue earnestly means an ongoing action. So when it says for you and I to continue earnestly in prayer, he's talking about an ongoing action. So immediately some of you are going to say, wow, George, what does that mean? That means i got to pray all day? Well, i got to work. i got to spend time with my kids. i got to spend time with my friends. What is this? I mean, it's like Paul saying, pray without ceasing. Is that like, what? Is, uh, do I got to walk around in prayer? No, no, you, you're not understanding it at all. It means to have a mindset of prayer. What do you mean, George? Well, let's say we go to the mall. Let's say I'm with Lori and the kids and we're going through the mall, okay? Do, are you like this at the mall when you're with your family? You totally ignore them? You do not say anything to them at all. You're just kind of in your own zone. Now, maybe some of you are like that. That's not good, okay? You're in your own zone. You're not, you're not interacting with anybody. And the people who are with you have just learned to accept that. They're okay with you just ignoring them. You're walking with them, but you're just ignoring them as you're going through the mall doing your shopping trip. Is that normal? No, no, because when you're walking with people, if you're with family and you're going through, you're saying, hey, check this out. 
Don't you, do you think we need this? No, no, put that back. That's too expensive. You know, you know, you're interacting. Do you know what I mean? That's really what we're talking about when we're talking about having an attitude of prayer and praying continually. See, you and I need to develop a mindset that as you go throughout the day, you're not alone. Did you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit lives within you. If you have put committed your life to follow Christ, if you have been saved, the Holy Spirit was is within in you. So for you, talking about praying continually is interacting with Him throughout the day. Did you know what I'm saying? Lord, did you see that? Lord, do you know what I'm going through here? Can, can you help me here, Lord? Give me wisdom to face this. But some of us are like that illustration that I just talked about, going to the going to the mall with your family, and you're not saying anything to them the whole time. You're just kind of clamming up, being quiet. That's not good. Do you understand what I'm saying? You and I have to get to the place where we develop a mindset that Christ is with us all the time and we can interact with him. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, you already do that sometimes, don't you? What do you mean? When tr- something mind-blowing happens, you immediately, oh, God, I need you, in your heart, right? You do that, right? Take it one step further. Instead of just responding to him in the crisis, respond to him in the everyday areas of your life. Do do you understand what I'm saying? In the everyday areas of your life. So the phrase continue earnestly means it's an ongoing action. You need to be, it needs to be an ongoing action of you interacting with God. Did you understand what I'm saying? Hey, let me let me tell you why that's so wonderful if you start doing that. Usually, when somebody goes through a crisis and they communicate to me, I don't know where God is, I don't know why he's letting me have this happen to me. Maybe, maybe I, you know, they start talking that way. You ever talk to somebody like that when they, and they, they make reference to that? You know what that communicates to me? You don't have an ongoing relationship with God. See, if you have an ongoing interaction with God in the good times, you'll know in the bad times, you'll already have the assurance, he's there with me right now through this. I can just talk to him through this. Now, that, that doesn't mean you don't get apprehensive. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, some of us, you know, like, okay, it, it, I'll, I'll use Lori and I, okay? We face crises all the time. That's normal, right? When I face crises, I'm like, oh, you know? Lori's steady Eddie, okay? Do you, you know what I'm saying? I'm the one who, you know, who's... Oh, you know, what are we going to do? Okay? Lori is steady Eddie. Okay? We're a good balance, aren't we? Okay? All right? So, but do do you understand what I'm saying? That doesn't mean you're not going to have your personality and respond to the crisis. What it means, though, is you're not going to worry about is God there or not. Because you already know. Because you interact with him all the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? You interact with him all the time. So it's really a command... To interact with God. Interact with God. Okay, so how do we pray here? What do we need to pray about? Here's here's what he's saying. Prayer requires that a believer be alert and watchful. Here's what prayer does. Prayer, 
Prayer requires that you be aware of what's going on around you in your life and what's going on in the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because here's the thing, folks. We can get caught in a rut of life, can't we? Because, I mean, it's just a week and another week, and it's the same schedule, same work schedule. Maybe a few things are different, but you just get into a rut of life. Yeah, maybe one week you're sick. But, you, you know, normally it's just the same old mundane, drab, dreary life and, and you don't necessarily have to think. You don't have to even be alert. You could just kind of float through the day. How many of you have floated through the day? You just didn't feel like it. And you just kind of floated through the day. Well, prayer requires that you be alert. Prayer requires that you be aware of what's going on around you. Okay? And, 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 and he also says this. If you look at what he says there, verse 2, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So it's not just that I need to be alert. Prayer must include thanksgiving. Really, George? You don't really know what's going on in my life right now. You you don't really understand the trauma that's happening. You don't understand the crises I'm in. You don't understand the hopelessness, and you want me to be thankful? Folks, it's not me wanting you to be thankful. He calls us to be thankful. In fact, if you go over to Paul's other letter to the Philippians, he says this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Do uh, you guys ever struggle with an- being anxious for something? You ever worry? Okay. Don't worry, but make your requests known to God. Did you hear know what I'm saying? He, he says here, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So with praying, with thanksgiving as a part of that. Now, what can I be thankful for, George? How about the fact that you can even go to him and talk to him? That you can go to the God of the universe and say to him, you have access to him to say, you know what, do you see what's happening? Do you see what I'm going through? So it's, 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 you have to have thanksgiving with your prayer. And folks, you can think of things to be thankful about, can you not? I mean, think about it. It, it, there, it. Even in the midst of somebody being in the ditch of life, there is something to be thankful for. Did you understand? He's saying thanksgiving. So the manner of prayer is, is that it requires that we be alert and watchful, but it also requires that we include thanksgiving. So what do we pray about? Well, here's what he's he's got several things. His intercession. The Colossian believers were called to pray for Paul and his companions. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. You know why sometimes your prayer life is so drab and dreary? Because you're only praying about yourself. Do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? All you're thinking about is yourself. And let's just, let me just help you a little bit. We're pretty boring. Do you know, do you know what I mean? How about start praying for somebody else? Here, they were called to pray for Paul and his companions. So, really, our prayers must include intercession for those who are serving in ministry. 
You need to pray for those who are serving in ministry. Why, George? Well, I'll be honest with you folks. They're the number one target of the enemy. They're the number one target of the enemy. So what do we pray for? Here's what he wants to, if you're going, especially if you're going to pray for, for God's service. What do we pray for? Pray for an open door or opportunity to share God's word. Alright, now wait a minute, hold on a second. I can see that for the servant, but we, do we need to pray that for each other? Yeah. Look, you interact with people at your workplace every day that I'll never interact with. You know, do you know what I mean? I mean, think about who you saw this week at your workplace. I probably don't even know who they are. Do you know what I mean? I probably have never met them. Do you know what I'm saying? Unless I smashed into their vehicle or they smashed into mine and we met that way, which that those odds are not very good of that happening, okay? But I'm not going to meet them. You are the one who meets them, and you know, as well as I do, that a lot of them don't know Jesus. Is that correct? Am I correct in saying that? All right. So, who needs to be prayed for so that they have an open door, maybe, to communicate the love of the gospel with them? Each of us. Did you understand what I'm saying? Each of us. Each of us need to pray for each other and for God's servants that there would be an, an, an open door for an opportunity to share. Okay, so let, let's get back then. That kind of fits with what we need to be like in prayer. What do you mean, George? Remember, in prayer, I'm alert. In prayer, I'm, I'm watchful. What am I watching for? Where God's working. Where God's opening a door. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's kind of all fitting together in this prayer thing, isn't it? So the reality is, is there he's talking about you need to pray for an opportunity. Here's the other thing. You need to pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ is shared. You need to pray that the good news about Jesus Christ is shared with people. Here, let me just stop for a moment. You know, we have in our community... About 60% of our community doesn't even go to church, okay? Of those who do go to church, 40% are Catholic, okay? And the other 60% of those who do go to church, of that 40% who do go to church, go to various Protestant churches, okay? When you talk about sharing the gospel and you're praying for the gospel to be shared, I need you to recognize something. We're not talking about you praying about your church being shared. Did you understand what I'm saying? We're talking about you sharing about who? Jesus, period. Don't, don't, don't bring the church into it. Did you, you want to get somebody riled up? Talk about their church. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Even though they may only go once a year, they'll still get ticked off. Did you understand what I'm saying? You want to share about the person of Jesus Christ. You want them to meet who? Jesus. So you want to pray for an open door, and you want to pray 
that the gospel is shared, that the good news about Jesus is shared. Not the good news about your church or anybody's church. The good news about Jesus is shared, okay? Here's the other thing. Pray for those who are suffering for their ministry. Hey, um, can I, can I, how many of you watch the news? You watch the news? Kind of watch the news? Okay. You're aware of all the stuff that's happening over in, uh, the African continent and the Middle East and even over into South Asia, okay, with, uh, from India and so forth. Doesn't have to be just the, with Islam, it could be with Hindus. And, and you, you're aware of what's going on with Christians? I mean, just this last week, 21, Coptic Christians from uh, Egypt were beheaded. How did you respond to that? Well, besides being horrified, did your response include praying for them, praying for their families, praying for the believers who are going through that? Hopefully. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? Hopefully. Do, 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 you know, do you know what I mean? We, we need to pray for those who are suffering, for their faith. Do, do, do you understand? And, and for us who live in a country right now where, where there's freedom to believe what we believe without facing persecution, man, what a great responsibility we have to pray for those who aren't going experiencing the freedom that we have. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where it could cost them their lives. There's a cost. The need to prayer is, is we pray for an open door, we pray for the message of the gospel to go forth, and we pray for those who are suffering. You know, those who are suffering for the gospel. And then here's, we pray for those who share the gospel to do so as they should. What's this about, George? Well, you want to pray, not just that that, uh, people have an open door, not just that the word of God would be proclaimed, not just for those who are suffering because they are ministering for the gospel, they're sharing the gospel. You want to pray that they would share. Because you you and I have been there. The door's been there. It's open. Somebody is maybe showing that they're interested in spiritual things right now in their life. And you are kind of too nervous to share. Have you been there? Because you're like, well, what if they don't really want to hear what I have to say? So you decide not to. I mean, have you been, have you been there? I've been there. We want to pray that we would share as we ought to. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Every one of us here has somebody that we know that we love that does not know Jesus, right? Am I correct? And we are hesitant sometimes, you know, to share with them. Wouldn't it be, make a lot of difference for you to know that other believers around you are praying for you that you would be able to share as you ought to share? You know what I'm saying? That would strengthen you, wouldn't it? I mean, that's necessarily not going to make the feelings go away, but at least it gives you a confidence to know, you know what, I have people praying for me. And, and my witness, okay? And my witness. So that's what the prayer issue is here about. And and again, it's got to be a part of it's got to be a part of our 
interaction with God daily. So like, for instance, you know, if I go to Walmart, and sometimes I know people who work there, and if I know they're a believer, and as I'm, and as I'm walking through Walmart, and I'm getting my stuff, and I'm, and I'm overwhelmed with the sense that I need to get out of here as quick as possible, because I don't want to be here with all of these people getting their stuff, especially if they think uh, uh, Snowmageddon is coming or something, you know. But if I see somebody that I know who knows Jesus and he's interacting with people all day long, I really should be, as I'm interacting with God, say, you know, God, there's, there's your servant, Joe, there's my buddy. Be with him today. Help him to have an open door today to share with somebody. Give, give, him, give him boldness to share. Help, help him not to be afraid to share. You come in contact with people that you know every day that are in a workplace situation who know Jesus. Am I right in saying that? Has it ever entered into your mind to pray for them? God, strengthen them today. Don't let them be discouraged. And as they give the opportunity, let them do like they're supposed to. Share. We need to be praying for each other, okay? Praying for each other. Which now, that goes into verses 5 and 6. Kind of a natural flow there for Paul. He's going to talk about interacting with the lost. He's going to talk about us interacting with people who do not know Jesus. So here's what he says. Look with me at verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. What's he talking about? He's talking about our interaction with the lost, how we live, first of all. Believers are called to walk in wisdom. So you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm not just going to interact with God, but here's one thing I'm definitely going to pray for. With God, help me to walk with wisdom today as I interact with people. Hey, Chris, let me ask you something. Are all of your interactions with people every day sweet and wonderful and rosy? Do you interact with people that sometimes pluck your nerves? Do you interact with people who, who are just not lovable? Nobody here has that kind of problem, right? Okay? You need wisdom to know how to interact with those kind of people, right? You know, you need wisdom to know how to live your Christian life out with them. So, here's what he says. Believers are called to walk in wisdom. Why? They have to be careful how they live before unbelievers. They have to be careful for how they live before unbelievers. Now, the thing is, is that we get into this mindset where it's just normal and and it's real easy for us to be ready to just dress down people. Do you know know what I mean? To, to be ready to, to, to rip, rip the hide off of somebody who's not doing right, especially if they're a telemarketer or if they work at Walmart. Okay? So, you need to no, ask God to give you wisdom, walk in wisdom, to be careful how you live. 
Do you know what I mean? Because you're interacting with people. All right? I'm human just like you are. Okay? So, he's saying that they have to be careful how they live before unbelievers. All right? Here's, here's the other thing. Recognize the importance of how you live because the time is short. That's what he's saying here. We look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards those outside, redeeming the time. Time's short. First of all, how many of you know how long you have? You, you, I, I know there's people right now who are doing something on Facebook to try to figure out when they die, okay? Like, that's bogus. Don't do that, okay? Seriously, why would you want to do that? You don't know that a dude who wrote the program that's trying to figure it out for you doesn't know either, okay? You don't know that, all right? So the reality is, the reality is, is that you need to be aware that time is short. And so every interaction with the people that you're interacting with, sometimes it's a one-time shot. You know what I'm saying? Because, let's, let's be honest, first impressions become lasting impressions, don't they? Do you know what I mean? So you got to redeem the time, is what he's saying here. It's an interaction. Recognize the importance of how you live because the time is short. That will require a mindset that takes nothing for granted. Because again, remember, we can get into this rut where we're just kind of going with the flow and and we just say whatever and, and we kind of do whatever and we're just kind of like, oh yeah, it's just another day, I got forever and who cares, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you got to have a different mindset. You can't take anything for granted. You know, do you know what I mean? Here, here's, here's, here's the thing. Like, okay, I, I've, been, I've been here, April 1st, I'll be here officially 14 years as the pastor. Okay? And this is a small town. Okay? 2,400 population. Got Clearfield with 7,800. You know, you're in one place for a long time. You enter, you see people all the time. And people start realizing who you are. And so, you've got to be careful how you interact with people. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to be careful because you're like, I'll never see them again. Really? If you hang around a long time, you probably will. And then, like the people I interact with, at some point, they sometimes show up in our church. Do you know what I'm saying? So if I'm a jerk in town, what kind of impression is that going to be if they walk through the door? Do you understand? Oh, we better not go there again. Do you understand? That, that's my case, but think about it for you. Because you don't know at some point when you're going to interact with somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't know. So it's going to require a mindset that takes nothing for granted. Don't ever assume that you will never see a person again. And that the way you treat them is not... And especially if you're a believer and you're hoping that maybe at some point to share with them about your Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So here. I think this fits because we're talking about interacting with people. The way that we speak must be marked by grace. The way that we speak must be marked by grace. Are you gracious with people the way you speak with them? Seriously, are you? That's pretty convicting for all of us, right? 
Do, do, do you know what I mean? Here's the other way. The phrase seasoned with salt denotes an interaction with others on a deeper level. It's talking about the way you speak with people. It's not just to be gracious with them, but you want to interact with people on a deeper level. Okay? And then, verse 6 finally says this. We need to be ready to share our hope in Jesus with everyone. You just need to be ready. Now, you know what? Years ago, the way preachers preached, I know because I sat on it or under it myself, it was almost the concept that evangelism was is you need to make sure you got your Bible and you're ready to pounce. Now, they didn't say it that way, but that's the, that's the implication, that you're ready to get them saved. That actually was very negative, wasn't it, for some of you who tried that? Because, have you noticed that people don't really interact with others spiritually? Have you noticed that? It's not normal for that to come up. Now, if you really know somebody, if you really are intimately in a knowledge with some, if you have an intimate relationship with someone, possibly the, the issue of spiritual issues will come up. Have you noticed that? But most people don't go around and say, hey, talk to me today about what I believe. Nobody does that. You've got to build relationships with people. Now, the way that we approached evangelism before was just cold turkey, talk to them, and hopes. A lot of times, I'll be honest with you, a lot of prayers were prayed just to get you off their case so that you could leave them alone. But they never meant it. They never meant it. But there was no interaction with them to see where they're at and what their deepest needs were and how Jesus could meet that. So what you need to do is be ready for those times when it is possible to share. God, help me to be ready to give them the hope of the gospel. And I'm not talking about go through the Romans road with them. I'm not talking about giving them evangelism explosion presentation right off the bat. I'm not talking about if you were to die today. I mean, that's not the thing to tell people. Nobody's thinking about dying today. But you want to talk to them about Jesus interacting with them today, where they're at, in the midst of whatever they're going through. Be ready to share. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, you know, if I, if Lori's got a water, if she's got a plant that needs water, I'm not going to go get the fire hose and hose it down for it to be be nourished. I'm, I'm going to go get the, the water pot, you know, and pour a little bit in just as it's needed. You don't need to open up with a fire hose of, of your gospel of evangelism on people because maybe they can't handle it at that point. Evangelism is a process. You want to move people to the place where they know and understand the gospel. They know and understand who Jesus is and their need for Jesus. So you need to, you need to be ready to share the gospel with everyone. Okay? All right, next week we're going to uh, look at uh, the final section, verses uh, 7 through 18. We're going to look at uh, the final greetings there, talk about some faithful brethren. And then we're going to wrap up Colossians. And then we've got two lessons in Philemon, which is 
connected with Colossians. 